Welcome to the Officer Media Group Roll Call Podcast. Officer Roll Call is meant to inform and entertain. Now, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the lineup, Officer Magazine's roundup of this week's police and law enforcement news. I'm your host, Joe Vince, Assistant Editor for Officer Magazine. And with me today is your properly caffeinated, highly energetic, not so mentally motivated, retired Lieutenant Frank Borelli. How you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. I think I'm going to draft off of your high energy today. Cool. So let's get started. As always, uh, we've got a lot of stories to cover. Um, first story, we'll start in Ohio, um, Cincinnati, where a mentally disturbed teen lured uh, Cincinnati police uh, to uh, scene uh, over a fake robbery and then savagely attacked one of the officers it took four other people to pull this individual off the officer um the uh president of the uh, cincinnati fop had described um the assault as uh, the incident is set he the individual savagely ambushed attacked and beaten or excuse me the officer was savagely ambushed attacked and beaten by apparently mentally disturbed man um yeah I, again Another um, instance we've talked about before of um, officers being brought into situations and then ambushed and attacked. You know, I want to thank, and I know we published this off of a syndicated uh, source. So this gentleman, Cliff Pinkard, who wrote the the news article originally on Cleveland.com, I want to thank him for uh, referring to this person as a man. I, I appreciate the fact that we're not all trying to call him a teenager because he was 19 years old, but this, uh, this suspect, uh, and I don't even know how to say his name, Jermichael Williams. Um, what I'd like to point out here is it took, they say it took four officers to pull him off. That's because nobody wanted to hurt him. If the first officer had shown up and simply taken a baton to, to Mr. Williams head, it wouldn't have taken four officers, but we, we, you know, we might've killed the guy or given him brain damage or something. So that's inappropriate. The fact that it took four officers to pull this mentally disturbed individual off of the officer that he was attacking is a clear indication of the lengths law enforcement's going to not to hurt people. Um, I, I wish this could be kept in mind when, you know, legacy media decides to attack the cops because, they, they do something that's disagreeable or that doesn't look as pretty or whatever. Um, you know, I, I hope that the officer that was attacked heals well and is okay and back on the street soon. But, you know, to, to set up an ambush and uh, it says that this guy attacked the officer clearly trying to get his firearm. Mm-hmm. Really glad that didn't happen. Imagine what would have happened if this nut job had gotten a hold of a cop's gun and, and gone on a spree. Um, I guess I'm not supposed to use terms like that. If this poor emotionally or mentally challenged man uh, had gotten the officer's gun, you know, one of the reasons I love doing these lineup podcasts, Joe, is because I don't have to worry about being as politically correct and, and diplomatically filtered in all this. This guy's mentally disturbed. He attacked a cop. I think it's a wonderful thing that, that he was not injured uh, badly or in any way mentioned in this article. Uh, as he was pulled off of this officer that he was clearly trying to kill. Uh, I hope he gets the help he needs. And then I hope he serves the prison time he deserves. But uh, 
yeah, def definitely a, a an example of how we're trying not to hurt people. And the idea, knowing that the individual is mentally disturbed, that's an aftermath yeah. revelation. That's not something that in the moment officers are going to know or beforehand in this case where clearly they were brought to um, a scene um, under false pretenses. Um, and that becomes, uh, it shows how dangerous, especially as we talk about wanting to have mental health workers in these situations, how potentially dangerous these situa situations can be for those trying to help. Yeah, can you um, imagine if this guy had attacked a mental health worker? Man, mental exactly. health workers. Anyway, but yeah, it's 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 a uh, obvious, obviously an example also of how dangerous things can be. Just going to what you assume is is another call for service. We'll move to our next story. This is uh, out of New York City. Um, just really um, frightening body cam footage of police officers responding to a domestic disturbance. And uh, as they reach this apartment building, um, the suspect, they're in the lobby, the suspect charges out of the elevator with a knife and actually begins swinging at officers. Um, this goes on for a, a little bit, and actually a little bit is probably just a handful of seconds, but it it, it seemed much longer for the officers involved. But the, sus the suspect, it, it, a taser is deployed, does not, keeps coming and advancing on officers inside a closed um, area of the, an elevator, um, and they are forced to fatally shoot the individual. Um, but again, it shows you just all the different twists and turns um, a, a situation can take. Well, and, and, you know, so a couple of points here, absolutely. They tried to use non-lethal force first. They tried to deploy a taser. Um, it had no effect apparently. And, and the man kept advancing with the knife. The, the article does acknowledge that this is a close quarter situation. So we're not talking about a guy with a knife, you know, 25 feet away and what was it justified shooting him? Was there an immediate threat or whatever? We're talking about, uh, you know, contact distance. This guy's swinging the knife, trying to cut people. Um, a large blood stained kitchen knife was recovered at the scene. Um, so the fact that he had cut somebody, what was, was a foregone conclusion. There's blood on the blade. Um, you know, so the officers without any other option, shoot this gentleman. Uh, and he dies an hour later at the hospital. Uh, after the fact, it's determined that uh, he suffered from uh, mental illness and also was under the influence of some substance at the time. Um, you know, kudos to the officers for trying not to kill the man. Now, here's the thing that I really like about this. Witnesses saw the police officers performing first aid as the ambulance was called. Um, he says, you know, they brought him out. They're doing chest compressions. They're trying to bandage him. They work so hard on him. They, their intent was not to kill this guy. Their intent was to stop the threat. And they, and they tried different options. And then they did what their, their duty requires them to do. And they tried to save his life. They tried to render him aid. Another one of those stories I wish we'd see on all of the legacy media channels about how these officers were not cold-blooded. They were doing what they had to do, and they tried to save this guy's life. Uh, you know, 
I, kudos to the officers. Tip of the hat. Good job. You see that body camera video and uh, particularly the officers in the elevator. I mean, that is one of those cases. I, I'd love for that to a situation like that to be used in those um, uh, video simulators that sometimes they bring out for citizens academies, because this really kind of shows you what what is your what are you going to do in that in that split second? when you are in basically a shoebox, I mean, you've got nowhere to run. Oh yeah. No, they, and, in an elevator, you think about it. If, if you're standing on one side and I'm standing on the other, and we both stick our hands out, spin around, there's no way we're not hitting each other. So this is not a situation of, and I, but it, as I understand it, it was just outside the elevator. Three of the officers are in it. One of them's out of it. And, and the, the clash uh, happened outside the elevator, but you're still talking about you got nowhere to go. I mean, you, you got to come out, you got to do something. You're going to run into a guy with a knife. Well, actually, so, he he comes, he runs out of the elevator, swings at one officer, and then there are two uh, officers who are already on a different elevator, and he runs at them inside the elevator. That's when the taser is deployed, doesn't work, and he's still advancing, and they shoot him, and he falls outside of the elevator. It, it's just a scary. Um, I'm glad it wasn't scary me. video. Yeah. Moving on to our next story. Um, all across the other side of the country to Los Angeles, um, where uh, a video was released of a uh, chase and standoff from uh, last month where a man in a stolen water and power vehicle um led police on a chase and then in this video you see him barrel through two uh police suvs injuring three of the officers um uh, this again shows just what type of peril uh police can be in in these situations they had set up uh more or less uh um they were uh, staggered, two of the SUVs staggered on either side of this. It said it was in a parking lot, but it's a very um, small, enclosed um, fences on either side roadway. Um, and this man in the stolen vehicle, stolen SUV, just barrels through, takes the door off of one cruiser and smashes through another. Uh, I was just impressed at how durable that water and power vehicle was. Um, because he, he more or less demolished both of those uh, police SUVs. Um, and uh, a, a standoff had ensued after police had fired um, shots and, and apparently had wounded um, the suspect inside. Uh, yeah, I want to point out this fact. This is, this is um, one of those things, again, I wish legacy media would learn. This guy was shot. So you have a bad guy. Um, he's being chased for assault with a deadly weapon. Right. In a stolen SUV. So this guy's a suspect in assault with a deadly weapon. He's already demonstrated violent behavior tendencies. He's stolen a vehicle and he leads officers on this chase. Um, during the chase, he's trying to ram the vehicles and other drivers. He wasn't only a threat to the police. He was a threat to the other drivers. Then he leaves the freeway. He, he rams a couple of police cars. The police officers shoot uh, both the vehicle and the, at the man as they, as he's driving into them. I mean, he's attacking them with a motor vehicle. They shoot him and the motor vehicle. They actually managed to hit him in the leg. I'm assuming through the door. Apparently there's some bullet holes in the driver's door, but there's a standoff for more than two hours after that. Here's the thing that's so important about that man is shot. Two hours later, he's arrested after a two hour standoff shot does not mean 
no more threat. That's the that's the bottom line here. This man's taken a bullet, but he remains a threat and holds police at bay for two hours. SWAT team has to be called in to and, and negotiations done to get this guy to surrender. Why? Because the police didn't want to kill him. Anybody could have shot him through the window at any time. They don't, right? right? But this guy's seen wrapping jumper cables around his body and stuff. Another mentally deranged individual. Um, but uh, ultimately, I, I want to say peaceful resolution. Nobody got killed, uh, and and it could it could have gone that way very easily. Uh, two officers treated on the scene. A third that's hospitalized for his injuries. Um, yeah, I'm not feeling bad for the guy going to the hospital for a bullet wound, uh, and I'm glad to see Chief Michael Moore complimenting the work by the members of LAPD SWAT to to resolve the situation. What a what a mess! I'm glad they dealt with it right. Yeah. Um, on to our next story. Uh, this is from the nation's capital and the release of the video of a fatal training shooting from uh, a year ago. Um, this uh, video release showed um, what happened when a private contracted training instructor, a retired Washington, D.C. police lieutenant, accidentally um, shot um, one of the tra trainees who was a D.C. special um, police officer. And just for some clarification, the D.C. Metro Special Police Department is a private law enforcement agency that is authorized by the district. Um, this individual, Marika Mannion, um, was a police officer serving um, her um, uh, deployment was the Anacostia Library where they were conducting the training. And this was actually baton training. Um, this was toward the end of the training. Uh, the participants in the training were getting together, gathering for a photo. And uh, the training officer uh, pulled out his weapon, which he thought was a training gun and fired a shot and that struck Mannion and killed her. Um, I, I, I am absolutely 100% appalled by this, Joe. I'm sorry for interrupting you. No. This this speaks 100% to the need to vet your trainers, okay? Um, you just did an article not that long ago. I, mm -hmm. I have been a force-on-force -force instructor for going on 30 years now, uh, and I believe one of the people you interviewed, um, Ken Murray, was was my primary instructor and and he has spoken to this one of our editorial advisory board members tom peroni who owns and operates commonwealth criminal justice academy has spoken to this but this guy's behavior jesse porter his behavior is absolutely unconscionable for a training officer much less anybody else they're done this isn't their training's finished right they're they're taking a photo they're gathering to take a photo uh, this this victim, Mannion, is taking off her mask, and and this training officer, the guy, the retired lieutenant, for whatever reason, this is what says, suddenly approaches a group, drew his gun, and fired a shot. Now, I'm glad I wasn't there. I'm glad I wasn't called to testify. I can't imagine. that This is reckless endangerment at a bare minimum. Negligent homicide, it, it, words come to mind draws a gun and fires a shot. And then after the fact, he's going to say, oh, I thought it was a training weapon. Why? Why? I can't imagine the circumstance that the training and all the scenarios, everything's over and people are taking off safety equipment and you draw a gun of any kind. 
training firearm or not, and shoot one of the people you're training. This is tomfoolery at its worst. Um, and, and yeah, I can feel my blood pressure getting up. He and pled guilty to involuntary manslaughter and unlawful discharge of a firearm, sentenced to three years in prison. And I'm sorry, I don't think it's enough. I, 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 I just can't imagine. This guy should never have been acting as a trainer. That agency should never have been using his services. We have got to do a better job of vetting our training staff, and we have to mandate the safety protocols to everybody of any rank in any situation, including the training staff that we fired. This should never and, have happened. And, that, and it's such a breakdown of uh, of what should be done in these training situations. Um, like you said, I had done a story on this. Um, the trainers I talked with uh, discussed, one, having a list, a ba basically just a checklist that you go through each time to make sure the fact that, boom, the first thing, no live weapons in the training area, period. Doesn't matter if you are the police commissioner, you know, you you put your, your weapon um, in whatever safe area away from the training area that has been designated. And it, it there are so many different breakdowns there that even before um, whatever possessed um, this man to, to suddenly just surprise everyone, if it was to, to make a point or, or whatever, um, it, he should never have had a live weapon. Um, no, no and, and, that's, and here's the thing. And, and I got in trouble for the Well, they tried to get me in trouble for it. Ultimately, I didn't get in trouble for it. When I was in the National Guard, we were at the range one weekend for qualifications. And I, I was the range safety officer, okay? I'm an E4 at the time. Um, that That's a fairly low uh, enlisted rank for anybody out there who doesn't know what that is. And the battalion commander, a colonel, decided to come down to the firing line. We were on the Mark 19 range. This is an automatic grenade launcher, belt-fed grenade launcher. And he wants to walk down to the firing line. And I stopped him. And I said, sir, look, you you got to put on the safety equipment. You need to get helmet, goggles, gloves, flak jacket. And he said, no, look here. Uh, you know, this is who I am. And, and I'm going down here. And I said, no, sir, I'm, I'm sorry. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but while you're a colonel standing here at the moment, I'm the safety officer. That means I'm a one-star general. I outrank you by a rank. Go put on all your equipment. He went up through my entire chain of command all the way up to my company commander. And God bless them all. They said, but sir, he's right. Go put on the safety equipment. I don't care. If you're the chief of police in D.C., with due respect to the chief of police, the police commissioner, I don't care. The safety officer in that situation outranks everybody and is responsible for everybody. So they damn sure better do it right. This this was 100 percent avoidable. Moving to our next story. This is out of Wisconsin. Uh, again, we're bringing up a case of a police department department dissolving a um, little different here in the past we've talked about uh, officers leaving um, in this case the big ben trustees have decided to eliminate their police department uh, which had a chief 12 uh, and 12 full and part-time officers um, this is a case of needing to cut budget um, and now that uh, law enforcement coverage is the responsibility of the sheriff's department that uh, covers the area. You know, I can't imagine this. When you read through the article, you find out that they got rid of a 12-man police department, like you said, right? Mm -hmm. a, a police chief, three full-time officers, and nine part-time officers. 
And by doing away with the police department, they're going to save a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000 annually, according to this release. What were they paying these officers? I mean, let's just for a minute assume each of the full-time guys got paid $50,000, which is a piss-poor salary for law enforcement. But you got four full-time, and that, assume that the chief got paid the same as the other three. We know that doesn't happen. But that's $200,000. And then you got nine part-time guys. They got to divide the other fifty thousand dollars, and that doesn't leave you any money for training, uh, for for benefits, for vehicles and fleet, for uniform, for any of that. So we know these people were being paid miserably to begin with, and the department decided they're going to do away with the two hundred fifty thousand dollars. They're they're going to do away with the agency to save two hundred fifty k, and and they're going to contract the sheriff's office for two full-time deputies. Um, I, I'd be willing to bet that they got to pay the sheriff's office something and that the two full-time deputies are probably going to cost somewhere between $150,000 and $200,000. So they're not going to save $250,000. I think this board of, of, of trustees, like you said, the, the Big Ben Village Board, I, I think they need to really reinvestigate what they're doing if they just did away with their agency and put these people out of work. And oh, by the way, rob their community of of law enforcement services on the level they provided one of the trustee one of the two trustees who voted against this um made a good comment too which is once there's no going back once you do that because not only are they getting rid of the officers and the chief but they're also liquid liquidating all of that equipment and basically yeah it, it's it, you know there is no going back after that yeah i mean Maybe if they get their act together 10 years from now, they'll be able to bring a police department back. But like that, that trustee said, once you liquidate all the equipment, it's going to cost you three times the amount probably mm -hmm. to come back. So when you when you do come back, you've got to have the officer salary, all the training, all the equipment, all the vehicles, everything. I mean, yes, it's it's going to cost them a million dollars to stand this police department back up. On the flip side, um, in California, um, a, a city there, Lancaster, is creating its own police department, and this shows you the reason why is they are the Los Angeles County Sheriff's um, Station that covers Lancaster is uh, one of the most overtaxed and understaffed um, that uh, the the sheriff's office, the sheriff's department has. Um, and the mayor has said, you know, we need to do whatever it takes to reduce crime. Um, and so it's I find that really kind of those two uh, stories sort of interesting before after kind of effects of seeing, yes, you can do it this way. But, you know, here here is the effect that it can have when um, a sheriff's department has to manage all of this area and all of these different communities. So the couple of things that really stand out to me in this article, number one, this mayor. And so we're talking about the city of Lancaster, okay? Um, and I'm trying to find the, 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 mayor, the, the, the mayor's name here, Mayor Rex Paris. Mayor Paris says the statement, I take it very seriously and quite frankly, I don't care who I offend. You cannot defund the police and have a safe society. Amen. I'm glad some politician finally said it. I wish it was on CNN or on the, on the evening news. I no, you know, don't want to be naming names here. I wish it was said publicly. But here's the thing. 
The newly formed Lancaster Police Department will initially hire eight officers. Eight. In a place that's got 180,000 citizens. Just based on the IACP recommendation, the International Association Chiefs of Police recommendation for police ratio, one sworn officer for every thousand citizens, this should be a 180-man police agency. Should be 180 people. They're going to hire eight, and it says they're going to grow eventually to 20 to 30. It should be 180. So kudos to them for, for taking a step and starting it off. I hope they realize that 30 cops isn't anywhere near enough for what they should have if they've got 180,000 people living there. They've been coasting for too long. They need to grow their agency and do it right and invest in it right. I'm glad to see what they're paying officers and all that. But it, as the example, my agency I retired from, we have 21 police officers and 13,500 citizens. This guy's talking about 20 to 30 officers for 180,000 citizens. Just not practical long term. I hope they I hope they work that out. For our final story, let's go to New Hampshire um, and uh, uh, an unlucky carjacker. Um, a, 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 a carjacker uh, stole a, a car at gunpoint and then led police on a chase um, that ended in a crash. Unfortunately for the carjacker, the crash was right in front of the police station, and he was apprehended right at the front door of the station. Um, I, you know what? I guess he was being efficient. Uh, if, if if you're gonna crash, might as well just crash where you're gonna eventually end up. At least he saved himself a long, miserable ride to jail, right? That's true. I mean, um, it, it, yeah. So he so. He steals a vehicle at gunpoint, just is carjacking at its finest, and leaves police officers on the chase before he crashes right in front of the police station. I love it. It says, the suspect tried to flee on foot, but officers were able to take him into custody. Well, you think you only had everybody on duty that might have been at the station nearby around the area to jump on the guy. Um, not, I mean, I can't say this is one of those world's dumbest criminals kind of stories, but how about really supremely unlucky? I mean, if this, assuming this guy didn't know where he was, and when you look at the video, he doesn't look like the sharpest tool in the shed. But assuming he didn't know, damn, dude, that was a bad day. Yeah, and, and, and you know, uh, unfortunately for him, the uh, where he crashed the uh, with the police station is their large um, boulders. Uh, boulders, yeah, to <laughs> basically to to prevent people from running into the the station and boom he he just showed exactly why they're put there so um that wraps it up for uh this week we we went through those real quick uh thank you again for uh listening we hope you're back uh, next week hey uh, everybody listening stay safe you know fall's finally coming we're a week away from the autumnal equinox Ooh. um schools are all in session Pay attention and uh, start getting ready for the silly season because it is certainly coming. Thanks for the conversation, Joe. It, it feels like we went through it quick, but it's a half-hour podcast. so I know. It did move fast. So take care, everyone, and stay safe. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Lineup. Please remember, the opinions voiced are not those of Officer Media Group or Endeavor Business Media, but only those speaking those opinions themselves. Thank you and stay safe.